Welcome back to Waxpad Miracle, episode 10, we've made it into double figures. It's that time of year where you can put the franchise tag on the people you want to keep. We franchise uh, Tag Dan, uh, but we are willing to accept a couple of tracksuits and possibly a, a sketchy one-on-one from a Panini One box at some point, if we can keep him. Right then, before we get on to the meat and potatoes of the episode, let's meet your starting presenters. Uh, Ryan Slaughter, five foot four, hundred and eighty pounds, and new Memphis Express fan. Dan Hewitt, five foot ten, two hundred and three pounds. The U of Life. Uh, Brian Walter, still six foot two. Have not watched any of the uh, Alliance American football games. Uh, I've been busy uh, building up my Tinder portfolio again, so that's where we go. <laughs> right then, gentlemen. Since we last got together, which was uh, a few days before the Super Bowl, uh, obviously the Patriots won that. So we're going to have a little bit of uh, chat about that. But we were all in some Super Bowl breaks. Uh, did anyone hit anything decent? No. No. <laughs> right then. Let's review the Super Bowl then, gentlemen. <laughs> right. Well, we were, uh, the three of us were all part of a, a couple of little teams that we went into uh, the Mojo break. Had They had a, uh, a Super Bowl break. It was it 125 boxes? Yeah where we got the New Orleans Saints for the second time in a row with Mojo. Uh, let's review what we what we hit in that $1,000 break between six of us and that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, what, yeah, Mojo. Uh, what do we get out of that? Ryan, you, you've got the, uh, not the list. A, not, not a great deal. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mante Teo. Notre Dame jersey, uh, George Rogers, which is what I selected in our draft. I was quite happy. PC piece, just overpaid by about one hundred and fifty dollars um, for that. And there are a few other bits and pieces. Alvin Kamara, I think we hit, but apart from that, wasn't wasn't great. I think there's a Traquan Smith uh, immaculate eye black with the Nike logo. Oh, one of one. That was a one of one. Yeah, one yeah, of one. yeah. There's a one-on-one collector, but apparently in the uh, in the draft of the cards, it didn't quite drop to him, did it, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> no, my fellow host swooped in the spot before me. I think. Yeah, fair, fair play. It was the, it was the card to select next, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it thought. will be it will be making its way to uh, to Stoke at, at some point. I'm, I'm quite we'll sure of that. So we'll come to a deal over something, I'm sure. I'll be down and some uh, some oat cakes, just stick some bacon and cheese on, and you'd be well away. <laughs> Man alive, I'll, be, I'll probably be in a coma if I ate that yeah. sort of crap. Trade, anyway. trade, that's, that sounds like the trade of the century. Some <laughs> <laughs> watery stick from one of one immaculate, perfect. Eh? Uh, the second break we're in, uh, ultimate box breaks, we managed to squeeze in and get a couple of spots with uh, 20 minutes to play. Second time in a row we've had problems trying to get in there, but I managed to put it out of the fire somehow by uh, getting people's social security numbers from across in the state so we could enter the the break. Two spots, it's done on a, on a draft order. Uh, we got, was it spot 14 and 24 or something like that? Yeah. We thought we'd get quite done. I think it was lower, uh, we, wasn't it lower than 24? Was it 27? Yeah, yeah, I think it was It was 29, I think, because we, we got we hit some of the nice, uh, nice uh, prizes. It was really low. Really? Yeah, and we ended up with the Raiders and the 49ers, who uh, were both in the top seven, I think, of, of the choices of the group that we were all involved in. So we were pretty hopeful of some decent cards coming out there. Uh, but again, we didn't. 
with the Niners, we didn't hit much. We got a, a Joe Montana rookie, which we've agreed it's it's currently in case we're going to crack and get it regraded. Uh, but there were a few Raiders hits in there. What were the, the high spots in that one for us, Ryan? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, really nice Jim Plunkett, uh, Jim Plunkett impeccable. Uh, Tim Brown impeccable from 2016. I think that was out of six. Is it, is it 16? Is that a jersey number one? Uh, there was quite a few. We had yeah, pretty much an impeccable whole pack of impeccable. And there was the I'm looking at Tim Brown majestic. We had a Derek Carr majestic. Mohurst majestic. I think we did all right. I think the, the the Oakland Raiders spot was really sweet because we because it was drafted so low. We also hit some nice other bits and pieces, bonus boxes and stuff, which we're really looking forward to cracking open when they go over to the UK. Excellent stuff. Uh, since then, we've not really had many individual breaks going on uh, over here. Have you guys been involved in any of the recent breaks? I have, and I've hit nothing. I've had your team in the past. Two breaks, Brian. I've had the Seahawks, and I, I don't even think I've got a base card. No, no. no so, <laughs> well, we were just uh, just on the impeccable box. That yeah, was, I uh, ain't nothing. I ain't nothing. Seahawks, yeah. come up, come up, smelling of nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I saw three decent Patriots cards come out there, though. So it was yeah. a nice break. That's, that's, in fairness, in, in, in fairness, as a break, that was an absolutely blinding box. Really good box. So it's got um, Woodson for the Steelers, uh, Teddy Bruschi for the Patriots. We've got a uh, Rogers patch, and there was another one. Sony Michel. Big name. Yeah, Sony Michel rookie, um, rookie or, or, or might have been an RPA. Um, come out. It was, a, it was a very very good box. You wouldn't have been disappointed if you'd have bought that as a as a personal box at all. No, no, not at all. Uh, so let's move on away from uh, cards for the few minutes uh we are now post super bowl i think we all picked the patriots to win uh so we all got that one right uh guys what did you actually think of the game let's start with uh, dan on this one um i surprisingly i quite enjoyed it um I, th- I think what i would say is that if that was your first ever super bowl that you you stayed up till stupid o'clock to watch in the uk i don't think you'll watch another one um but for me it was one for the purists wasn't it? Yeah, I, I love me nfl so i quite enjoyed watching the watching the defensive battle and it not being massively high scoring and just being you score our score you score our score um yeah i like i say i wouldn't have thought uh, it wasn't a sparkling example of American football is what I'd say um, for a neutral or a newcomer um, but yeah like we said we got the, we all picked the result right I was I was quite happy to see to see Brady get another one and see where he goes from there Ryan what did you think of the game? Yeah I'm very similar to Dan I, I you know gotta say okay it might not be the most entertaining game uh, of the season um, it's probably down near the bottom but I thought it was the most intriguing game and Certainly, as somebody that loves defensive football, I just thought it was an epic battle of 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 defensive chess minds. You know what I mean? And I uh, uh, okay, and the result came out what it was. And I think that the couple of takeaways that I I sort of take away from it, I thought one, I thought Sony Michelle was robbed MVP personally. I think that okay, he only needed six more yards to get to a hundred. He had a touchdown, and I think he was the difference. I think running was the difference in that game between the Patriots winning and losing. 
you know, all credit to Julian Enderman getting his yards, but I thought Sonny Michelle should have been MVP. Um, I thought, and I, I know they said this in the in in the chat before. It, it you know, for all the chatter and 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 everything and the hype over Sean McVay and this amazing young coach who's brought this brand of football. I mean, he just basically pissed the bed when he turned up for the Super Bowl. Um, and and I don't care really what anybody says about about whatever you know. Always well, Belichick and like, yeah, and, and he is the greatest coach of all time. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the fact is, the fella couldn't work out how to score or do anything really. He had three weeks to prepare that he knew that he wouldn't have his star running back. And it didn't seem to be that he had any kind of plan B whatsoever. Like, it was a complete opposite of the game that the that the Philadelphia Eagles played the year before. Where they did something different. There was trick plays. There were special plays that they'd drawn up. And apparently there was a number of them. It wasn't just, you know, that one or... They think they did three of them in actual Super Bowl. They had a whole book of various different trick plays to throw and give and, and, and give questions and keep throwing questions at the Patriots defence. And I thought that the Rams just didn't throw any questions. There was nothing new, there was nothing inventive, and I think that was pretty disappointing. And for a head coach, he knew that um Todd Gurley wasn't gonna play three weeks ago. Or a play up to, to, to full potential. Now whether that was injury or whether that was trade dispute or whatever was going on I don't really care. I think that they basically, they came out, they lied for three weeks about his injury status. It was clear that there's some sort of something that had gone on internally in the locker room. And I can't believe a head coach didn't prepare for a game knowing that the player wasn't 100%. And so I've come away thinking that it was, like I said, it was epic chess battle of defences and I really enjoyed that. I generally think the Rams went to the Super Bowl and pissed it. Um, you know, they just, just the poopers dropped and they really didn't turn up. And I think the head coach has to take a lot of responsibility for that personally. Yeah, I'd probably echo what you guys have both said. I enjoyed the game as a, as a defensive and a strategic battle. Uh, nice low scoring game. Uh, like I said, with, with Edelman getting the uh, MVP, I think it's interesting that in, in baseball, um, if you get a suspension during the season for PEDs, you're not allowed to take part in postseason play at all. Uh, and if those rules have been active in the NFL, then Edelman wouldn't have been able to play in postseason this year. So obviously it's not a rule that's in there, but it's just a, a little interesting talking point for, for, for various sports. So can't take it away from the Patriots. You know, uh, Belichick is the best coach of all time. He, he, he game plan perfectly. And I think the, the thing that summed it up with two and a half minutes left, they put a camera on the, on the uh, Rams sideline and uh, Mavay looked like a, a rabbit caught in the headlights. He just did, had no idea what was going on. He just looked shell shocked, you know? So um, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens from here on in, you know, the Patriots, uh, for all the fact they they were the best team, they won it and stuff. Brady still threw some oh, awful passes where you were watching it and you thought, well, "Did that get tipped?" And then they showed the replay and it didn't get tipped. He's he's definitely on the decline, but he, he's a leader. And they seem to just plug people in um, and they just get get it done, you know. So uh, will the Rams implode? Possibly, possibly not. There's a lot of of big. Uh, big egos in, in that locker room and they've got some free agency decisions coming up but lots of money to pay just one quick thing down the line next year Goff is going to be uh, eligible for a new contract from what you've seen of, of Jared Goff would you be willing to pay him 27 28 million dollars a year 
it's such a tough question. Um, it seems to be the go-to at the minute is, or the only way you can win the Super Bowl is with, like, you know, you've got to have a quarterback that you're not paying. Um, it, it feels like a bit of a misnomer because if you look back at actually which quarterbacks have won Super Bowls, I think it's something like maybe 10 out of the last 11 have all been paid. Um, so there's the odd exception where it does work, but it feels like they don't sort of reach their peak until they've already got past that that contract point. Um, and I can see the benefit to not paying one and just picking up another good rookie. But do you, you know, people like Patrick Mahomes who are going to are going to be that good um, straight off the bat? They just don't come along very often, do they? So um, yeah, I'd pay him. He's 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 decent enough. He's making he's making good strides since he's improved a, a, a hell of a lot from this season from last season. If he makes the same sort of improvement, he should be yeah, he should be very good next year. So yeah, I'd give him a contract. Yeah, I, I think I kind of agree, and you know, um, I think you have to give him a contract. Um... And I, I think you think you can judge him on one game personally because, like I said, I think there was multiple mistakes made by the by the LA Rams in the approach that they took to the Super Bowl, and I don't think um, Jared Goff should shoulder it all the responsibility for that. Um, his his offense let him down as well, um, uh, apart from Brandon Cooks, who who had a stormer, <laughs> um, and uh, if they'd win one, I think he would have been MVP um, for the same reasons that Enderman was. Um, Titans have got a similar decision, but a year early. So now, you know, we're into the final year or his, um, or his option year for Mariota. And I have a slightly different view. I think that, you know, those teams that haven't gone to the promised land or haven't, you know, been uber successful, I think when you've got a player like Mariota, can you afford to chunk up 25 to £30 million pound a year on him um, without having that success when you're rebuilding a team? It might be harsh, and a lot of Titans fans are not going to like it. But from my point of view, um, the NFL is a is built on strategy, and economic strategy is a massive part of it. And what you do with your roster, and how you churn your roster. And I think a player like like Mariota, who hasn't produced in that five years, I don't think you can afford. I think you might have to pay him on a short term basis to find his replacement, and then to try and trade him or offload him. I think Jared Goff is a is a de- very decent quarterback. Um, uh, had a bad game, but but he is a decent quarterback and deserves his money. Right then, let's move on uh, back to the card side, so to speak, uh, with some hobby news. Uh, Ryan, what can you start us off with? Yeah, I'm going to start off with something that uh, it, it's, it's it's one of those topics we love on this show, isn't it, boys? Uh, Panini redemptions. <laughs> Um, so um, we, we have the news now that a, a collector um, has raised a, a lawsuit against Panini America. Um, the collector uh, himself, Mr. Brasher, who um, resides in Dallas, Texas, exactly where um, Panini America uh, are based in the US, um, has raised a lawsuit um, for vi- multiple violations of the Texas Deceptive Practices Act. Uh, and this is all about redemptions. This is about um, at the moment, it seems to be three um, three parts or three complaints. Um, one about the redemptions in general as t- in terms of a, repl- a non-adequate replacement for the value of the card that it would have been. Um, the express terms of redemptions in terms of the limits. So the fact that there are term time limits, as we know, on redemptions. Like if I pulled one now, it's probably going to be 2021 or 2022. And also on non-replace on replacements redemption. So where the the redemption card hasn't even 
ever you know transpired and they've tried to replace it and it's going to be an interesting case um uh, as state law is is always interesting one and probably probably i would imagine will go further into district court um depending on who wins or loses what's really interesting is the lawyer that's rep- one of the lawyers representing him is actually quite a high-flying collector himself He's quite a high high end collector, so there's there's quite a lot of people are coming together in this particular um, class action suit. Um, precedents on this: 2012, Upper Deck lost a similar case, but uh, it was actually on technicality, so we never got into the meat of the legal legalities of it because um, under I think it was Michigan under Michigan law, an employee of the company had to be there present and they weren't so they lost the case by default so we don't really have much precedent um so a really really interesting one um to 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 keep a close eye on um and i will be okay uh dan what can you uh bring us some news on so it's something we've we've talked about before and we said it's something they don't do um probably often enough but panini have decided to uh, confirm some of the short prints and super short prints from this year's contenders um, I've got a selection for you. If you if you go on Google and, and search for that, um, twenty eighteen contender short prints. There's a, there's a few articles with, with quite a lot more names on there, but I've run through a few for you. So these base rookie ticket autos they've given us they've given us numbers of of what was released in there. So we got Sam Darnold was short printed to two twenty five, Bradley Chubb was super short printed to fifty, as was Christian Kirk. Um, Michael Gallup was short print to 225, Terrell Edmonds short print to 250, and Gus Edwards short print to 169. So it's just it's good information if you if you've got one of those, you know sort of how rare a, rare a card it is sitting in your hands. Now you know there isn't thousands of them knocking about. Yeah, I think they they sent this, the second list out yesterday that we had a had a quick look at just. Oh, excuse me, about 10 minutes after it was released, saw there was the Hayden Hurst rookie. There was only 50 of those released, so. I had a quick look on eBay straight away to see if there were any being sold at silly short uh, short prices that I could invest in for a little bit of a, a flip, so to speak. But there, there were none showing in there, so I think either someone had beaten me to it or they are genuinely uh, have not appeared. They're in such short print. So, yeah, staying on the contenders theme, so to speak, in the last episode, you remember us all discussing there was a Tom Brady contenders rookie. Um, up at auction, it was the the numbered out of one hundred. This was a PSA ten. It was the bidding was at one hundred and ten thousand dollars with I think three or four days to go, and we all uh, expected it to exceed the two hundred fifty thousand dollar mark that had previously been set for this same card. Now, surprisingly to us, uh, that card actually sold for one hundred and ten thousand dollars, which is a bit mysterious. However, the plot thickens now because a couple of days ago we noticed uh, online that another from the same identical set from the uh, Brady Contenders rookie auto numbered out of 100 again. Uh, another card was up on eBay. Uh, this one is um, a Beckett's BSG, um, BGS even, BGS 9, which is that the equivalent of a, of a PSA 10 who, who judges these things. Uh, and this one with with six days to go as is currently standing at $265,000 confirmed bids. And the bidders, you can't obviously see the full names there, but the bidders have all got feedback of 500, 700, a thousand and stuff like that. So these do seem like serious bids on there. Now guys, how has one card sold for $110,000 
And another card is currently at $265,000, which would be a record for a modern-day card. As we know back from Episode 2, the uh, Bronco Nagurski is the, the, high, the uh, highest-value football card sold for uh, $315,000 about three, four years ago. Uh, the highest price previously was the Brady that sold for $110,000 two years ago, sold for $250,000. This card stands at $265,000. Dan, can you explain to me why this is happening? <laughs> no, I really can't. <laughs> um, I think I think you just hit the nail on the head. Is a is a BGS nine the equivalent of a of a PSA eleven or twelve? Is the only reason that I can see it be worth worth double. I mean, the only explanation that I, I could put together in my head was it potentially sold at slightly the wrong time. So it sold three days before the Super Bowl, didn't it? Um, is is when the the one that went for 110 the, that's when the auction closed um the only thing i can think is that people would uh, are looking at it thinking that if he then goes on to lose that super bowl it potentially takes a, a bit of a hit on what it's sold for now obviously he's, he's won it so then it's become even more valuable um and we actually talked about um the the 110,000 on Twitter and, and we said, did the guy ever steal? Well, now he's when he's sick. He has had an absolutely blinding steal, hasn't he? Because he's, he's at least doubled his money <laughs> if, he, if he sells it again, or should do, judging by judging by what this one's going for. But other than that, I've got, I've got no explanation for you, really. Ryan, can you throw any light on this? No, absolutely not. Um, I can only conclude that the reality is, is there's probably a very, very, very limited amount of people that can play at that level, right? So it's probably a fairly close-knit community. I think if you're going to sell a card that's worth over 100000 or $200,000, you're probably going to tell a couple of people that you're going to do it. Do you know what I mean? Because you know who the big players are. And I'm just wondering whether people knew that this BGS was going to come up on the market and so they weren't going for this the PSA one um, because I can't imagine there being that many people like a like a maybe a handful of people who who operate at that kind of level who can come in and go boom drop a hundred grand or drop a quarter of a million on a Brady card um, so it must be quite a close community people sellers must be talking to each other and talking to people that they know are likely to buy as well. Um, so I, I was just wondering whether there's not market interference, and wouldn't speculate on that, but I was just wondering whether maybe people were aware that this other one was coming up and thought, mm, I don't fancy that one. I'm, I, I fancy putting my 200 grand into the other one or 300 grand or wherever it's going to go for. No, it's just a very whole strange thing. And, and if that is the case that with a touch of collusion, so to speak, if you're the seller and you're selling something for $270,000, $280,000, which you'll probably end up at, what are you paying in eBay fees there? Oh, yeah. You know? Whew. So it's, you'd be better off just touching up the people you know, not literally, obviously, because that's one true. <laughs> but, <laughs> but saying this is going on sale, what are you guys offering me? But I, I don't know, it's just strange. I, I know later on in the, in the, uh, in the show, we're, we're going to be talking about grading as such. But what is the difference, like we said, between a PSA 10 and a, and a Beckett's 9? And if it's such a big difference, is there a possibility of cracking open your P9 
PSA 10 and then sending it to Beckett's hoping to get a 9. Well, I, maybe we should leave that for later because that's exactly what we're doing <laughs> ourselves. But yeah, so so there we go. That's the, the Tom Brady rookie card. Uh, next episode, we will be reviewing the price again and uh, asking Dan to uh, let us have a hold of his card at some point at the uh, Waxpack AGM, <laughs> which will take in place uh, sometime later in the year. But lots of alcohol taking place. I'm uh, consumed, so to speak. Uh, one final bit of hobby news for any of you guys that are thinking of attending the National in Chicago at uh, end of July. Uh, advanced sale tickets are going uh, on sale on the 4th of March. I think it's $20 for just a, uh, a daily ticket to get in there. VIP tickets range from 129 uh, $199 up to Super VIP. Um, I think I'll be there. So if any of our listeners are there, uh make yourselves known and we'll meet up and have uh, an amber nectar or two uh, dan's promised to uh, uh give me his credit card to take with me so i'll be buying the beers on that one uh but yeah with the vip ticket you get uh free parking for all five days and you get a couple of nice um goodie bags and a couple of autographs and you get guaranteed three a couple of autographs with some of the the prestige guests that are going to be at the show once again they go on sale on march the 4th right let's move on to uh, product reviews we've got two products that come out recently uh let's start with the uh lesser of the products that have come out so to speak with plates and patches dan what are the details on this one please so plates and patches dropped on the 13th of february 2019 you're getting five cards per pack, one pack per box, 12 boxes per case. And on average in your box, you should find one autograph, one memorabilia card, one printing plate, one parallel number to 50 or less, and one base card. And a box is currently running at $135. Okay, what uh, do we think of place and patch? Let's go with Ryan. Yeah, I mean, it uh, came out, um, watched quite a lot of it um, get broken. I mean, I said um, in a previous show, we did a preview that I quite like the All Hall. They've come out quite nice, um, but I think it's those some of those autos that I really like. Um, the the patches are being pretty okay, but uh, actually it's the auto cards. Um, the Playmakers, Signal Callers, and Upper Echelons, I think they're a really nice looking card. Um, I'm going to leave alone the the plate issue because I now completely understand where Dan is coming from. Um, <laughs> because I had a quick look at sort of eBay and just, just, just have a look, what, see what prices were of various cards and the secondary market. And it was just a wash with goddamn plates that just aren't worth, they're to a penny. Um, I've seen the odd one that has been signed with a sticker. Um, but it's middle of the road. Um, it's okay. And like I said in the pre preview show when we did talked about it you know it's a box you plonk in the middle of a mixer um but i'm not going to get too excited about um getting uh getting into involved in too many breaks stan what are you uh thinking about this year's plates and patches uh following on from what ryan said towards the end there i've, I've still got a dislike of uh, of a plate in every box um it's just completely thin in the market i yeah uh, i watched i did watch one where there was two plates in the box um, and the second plate was your, was your autograph card. And it was, it was on plate rather than on a sticker, which was very nice. It was Jared Goff. Um, so finding something like that in your box, great. That's a boom. But the, but the, the plate itself just all ends up being a bit naff. Um, 
I quite like the product though. I quite like the design, the base design. It's it's got a bit of a throwback look for me. Um, I'll, the rest of the cards, um, I quite like that round. So the patches are all right. Um, it's just the the plate thing really really gets on my nerves massively as a one of one collector, and I, I don't know if I can get past that. But other than that, it's a it's a nicer product than I was expecting. Uh, okay, I'm gonna come straight out of it and I think the product's absolute rank to be honest with you guys so it's <laughs> don't like it one little bit it's plates and napkins uh, I've seen some very thin cards with some cheap nasty sticker autos on there like I said a couple of thin plates in there with a, with a sticker auto on there and stuff because you're charging what was it 140 $145 a time for this and you're getting one pack of, of five cards is it five cards yeah it is so yeah. it's that is secondary market unless you hit something like a baker mayfield or a barclay in a very low print run yeah but i i see it as value for money you're talking 145 dollars for a pack of five cards come like that man alive you can get you can get almost two boxes of optic for that which you've got so many decent cards in there nice shiny collectible stuff in there it's just not value for money. It's, it's not really a, a collector's product to me. You now you might go into a few rates. It's a secondary market product, you know? So for me, it's, it's, it's a big no, unfortunately. But each to their own, as we say. One new product has dropped <laughs> in the last week. It's the uh, much-anticipated Panini One. Dan, what are the details on this, please? So it released on the 8th of February 2019. Current prices have gone ludicrously high to $160 a box. And I believe the product is sold out. It was sold out a few days ago. So, Right so. then, let's let's have you... It's all right. You're getting some nice patches in there. Some of the low um, short print cards are, are really nice. And then on the, on the flip side, you're paying $160 for one card and you can hit, I don't know, bang average rookie number to 199 and your card's worth about 30 bucks. Such a gamble. It just, it, it just feels too high for very for the potential of very little return for me. And the other thing that, I understand why they've done it, but the other thing that made me laugh was they've put redemptions in a mad case, which is just... <laughs> Absolutely astonishing. Factory sealed redemption, and, and we joked about. It, but are they worth? Are they worth more sealed than reamed? There's a there's a there's a question. Well, to be fair, I think I've seen a couple of messages with people said that and that because if they didn't, the weight would be so much less in the boxes, and you do get people going to their card shops with sets of more wave boxes to find out which ones weigh more, more if there's going to be like the gold bar in the uh, impeccables, and so if you go into your local card shop and you find that there's eight boxes of panini one and one weighs 20 grams less than the others that's got redemption in it and you know that the redemptions in this product arrive as it's sonny michelle and, and saquon barkley so yeah, you know no, you're onto a thing so yeah i do i do understand why um and I, I still think they weigh less because i imagine that the card with the patch um and the, being thicker than the redemption are still the, the redemptions would weigh less than the than the other ones. Personally, if you're going to go to the trouble of taking a set of scales in, um, it's just it just amused me. <laughs> it's just amused me that they've bothered. They couldn't have, they couldn't have made the weight up with a couple of pack fillers or something. 
the weight of redemption cards against the weight of a normal autograph card is something we'll investigate during the quiet period of June time <laughs> when nothing's going on. <laughs> so that episode fourteen, all you can all uh, get by your get by your podcast listening stations for that one. That'll be an exciting episode as we weigh zero point three grams versus zero point three two grams. So there we go. Ryan, what do you think of Panini one? Yeah, I was going to follow on the redemption thing. I think I think it's scandalous personally. I think they're um, launching a brand new product. Um, it's a high end product because, as we discussed at the last show, if you really look at it, your ten auto is going to cost you, you know, a good grand, which you get for flawless for. So um, uh, the, the that redemption thing, I think, is is just a scandal. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that you have redemptions in that product. It's one card, one box. God damn, put the right card in, Panini. Seriously, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I've said before that um, I didn't like the mock-ups of Panini 1. I thought it just didn't look like it deserved to have one card, one box. And I got it wrong. I got it completely wrong because I think that there are cards in here in this set that are absolutely stunning. Um, And so I say... At one point, I say, shame on you, Panini, for redemptions. And the other point, I say, do you know what? Fair play, because I, I think the product looks stunning. I think there are bits in here that I would love it if there was a really good Titans rookie year, because I'd be all over it. Um, you know, the rookie auto bronzes, um, I think the 149s down, love them. Um, the rookie patch autos, the platinums, love them. Um, I love some of the... Um, patch auto vet cards i think they're absolutely beautiful and and as you get down the run you know your your 25s and your 10s they just look better and better and better and that's exactly what a high-end product should should be the shorter the print goes the the more stunning a card you get i'm still not a fan of the shadow box style auto golds um you know just because it's aaron Rodgers or whatever tom brady that fella um, I'm not going to start pissing my pants over it. Um, I still don't like the design. I think that they could have done a better job on that. Um, let's get back to basics here, though. We're talking about $100 or whatever it is um, for a one card, one box. You're not going to be making your money back unless you hit a lot of those short print vets. Um, or you're going to get a Baker or Barkley. And we've already just discussed that Barkley isn't even really in there. So let's just say he's not in it because it's a redemption, which you may or may never get. Um, but I think they've done a very good job. Again, go back to a point we made a few episodes ago. It is a breaker's product. It's not a collector's product in terms of you're not going to buy it. It's a secondary market product, though, and the collectors right now are winning because that secondary market, um, I mean, you can pick up some of the RPAs for around about $10, for about $10. Do you know what I mean? And so you're mugging off somebody else who probably bought into a break at 50 to 70 dollars try to sell as much as they can on ebay and secondary market are hoovering up oh yeah completely it's the place to go um i'm i'm picking off um the rounds on there you get some nice patches out of 49.99 for about 20 dollars 22 20 um even your josh rosen they're selling for like 85 90 dollars a time so who on earth is going to be investing personally in a box at $160 where there's only three or four hits, that's if they're in there, that will get you your money back? So it's a secondary market product. And it, it is a good product. Uh, I'd go against Ryan. I quite like the shadow boxes. I think 
being nice. Um, I've hit quite a few breaks. Um, not the ones I was after, but we'll touch on that again a bit later. You can see, uh, good product. Um, I can't believe that the price of it, like, the, it, it's gone so high. It must be that there's still some Barclays. I've seen sent the link to you guys. Uh, Mojo did a case in a case of, of 20 boxes. That's 20 cards came out. And there were four uh, Nick Chubb cards came out there. But yeah, decent products. And I think it's one that the Patina will be uh, putting out again next year. So, right, that's the reviews done. We've got three uh, products up and coming. Dan, what are the next three products that we released in the uh, football calendar? So we've got um, Panini Select Football comes out tomorrow, which is the 20th of February. Um, Panini Contenders Optic Football lands on the 27th of February and then Tops makes its return with the AAF Football on the 1st of March. Excellent. So by the time the next episode comes around, uh, say two, possibly all three of those products will be out. So we'll be able to review those without going into too much uh, detail because we've covered quite a lot tonight already, guys. Uh, which of those three products would you most like to uh, receive through the post? Ooh, select, uh, select, and select. Snap. <laughs> exactly the same. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a, that's a clean sweep for, for select. Um, AF, not really into it, so it's quite low down. But Contenders Optic, the cards are quite nice. Again, you're looking down the road of plates and patches, one packet. So, so yeah, those are the next three products that are coming up. Right. Okay, and as we touched on earlier with Pin uh, a, a slight query, a stroke scandal has been uh, kind of exposed. Um, as an avid Seahawks collector, I've bought maybe six, seven breaks as such uh, with Mojo, uh, Rip City, and been on some, some eBay breaks. So I've probably spent about $450 in total because I'm chasing Seahawks cards. Um, I'm a member of a couple of Seahawks groups and uh, all the cards that people uh, hit in breaks that everyone shows them up which I'm collecting and it became apparent about a week ago that no one was hitting uh, Russell Wilson or Earl Palmer's cards and it seemed very strange to the amount of collectors there's like three, four hundred collectors in these in the Facebook group everyone's buying into group single break you could name it on eBay you, you name it throughout the whole thing no Wilson or um, Earl Thomas cards were coming up so one of the guys from the Facebook group has contacted Panini and made an inquiry and said, well, where are these cards? Not one has made an appearance on the secondary market anywhere or in breaks. No one's seen it at all. Uh, there should be 90, that's 9-0 Earl Thomas cards, 16 Russell Wilson cards. Now, the Russell Wilson cards are the ones that all the Seals fans chase because they're extremely expensive. Uh, if you'd have pulled one of the, uh, there's like an out of 10, out of 5, and the one of one in here. If you'd have pulled an out of 10 one from, from this product, you're talking about a $700, $800 card because of the way the Seahawks collection market is. Now, Panini have come back and admitted earlier today that for some reason the Seahawks cards uh, for Russell Wilson and Old Thomas have not made it into the product at all. Now, they were advertised as being in the product. A lot of people, myself included, have spent a lot of money chasing basically the Wilson cards. It's bait and switch. You know, we've all paid a lot of money in there. Okay, I've hit some Rashard Penny, Shaq Griffin cards in breaks. So, oh, thanks very much. But they're going for $20 on the secondary market. Now, the, the, the main problem you've got here is where are ours to start with? Why haven't they put it in, made it into product? And you've got guys that are bidding on eBay that, that have bought uh, in player breaks, have bought Russell Wilson for $100 
in a 20-case break when there's absolutely no chance of him appearing in there. Now, to me, this is quite scandalous. Is there any other product this has happened to? You know, it's we're chasing players. We're hoping to get a few more answers. Is this the first time it's ever happened? Is it a Panini one issue purely? Or is there other boxes knocking about that just don't have the, the cards that, that they say they're going to have in? Um, at the end of the day, you know, the release checklists to, to sell boxes of cards for the for the love of the chase. It's so that pretty much every collector of every team could buy every box because there's at least one card that you'd, you'd quite like to hit in the box. Then every Seahawks collector who's possibly just picked one box up, been in breaks, you know, bought however many boxes thinking, oh, you never know, I might, I might get that Russell Wilson. Would, would, you have, would you have bought it? Would you have bought into any of those breaks, Brian, if... You knew no. Russell Wilson wasn't there. Well, I, I'd probably still have bought into them, but I wouldn't have bought into them at ninety dollars for a for a half for a half case. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, yeah, the price. price would have been drastically different. That is the thing, is it, and it, and so it should because it wouldn't have sold. You know, if it, the Seahawks wouldn't have been selling at, at ninety dollars as, as a slot price, if if the Russell Wilson card and the and the Earl Thomas card weren't there, if it was just Richard Penny, they'd have been a damn sight cheaper than cheaper than what they are. Um, it's got the potential of a scandal written all over it, but obviously, as I said, we wait. We wait to hear what the Panini officially have to say when 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 more news breaks on it. Um, but it, it is worrying, to say the least. Surely, sorry, before Ryan jumps in with his point of view, I know he's got some some strong views on this. Surely, Panini have a responsibility, no matter what the team, no matter what the players, if they realise that they've released a product and that certain players' cards haven't been put into their they should be coming out and saying day after release, look guys, this is what's happened. We've these cards haven't made the product for whatever reason, so just be aware of that. Yeah, I mean, there should, there should be some sort of um, adjustment to the checklist, definitely, yeah. because the, because the reason you, the reason you you buy everybody looks at the checklist before they buy a box of cards because if there's nothing in it for you, then why are you going to buy it? You know, if there's if there's literally no giants autos or whatever in the case, then well, in the box or in the products, I'm not bothered about buying it because that's all I'm buying it for. Anything else I get is just going in the in the trade pile at the end of the day. So if there's if there's nothing there, I know Ryan will probably um, agree, particularly this year with his with his Titans that they're just in isn't, season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There isn't the Titans in the product, so you're not going to get involved because well, what's the point? There's nothing in it for you. Um, yeah, I mean if. If they knew about it, then yeah, they certainly should have been been some sort of press release saying this is what's happened. It's an error, but you know they're not included for whatever reason. Yeah, Ryan, what's your uh, opinion on this? Yeah, I mean, I think I got to, I suppose two views on it. One view is if I go box buy a box of celebrations, um, I like bounties by the way, and my box of celebrations hasn't got any bounties in it. The first thing I do is, is I'm going to complain, right, to Mars and make. Now, it's likely that Mars are probably going to apologise straight away, and it's likely that they might even do something nice like replace my box. Okay, and that's because we have laws in this in this country, and we have laws across the world. U.S. United States has laws, has states, has federal laws to ensure that the that the protections and rights of people in terms of in terms of when you're buying in the marketplace, whether it's buying a box of celebrations or whether it's buying a hobby product, a card product. The reality is is on this is that Panini have sold a product to collectors on a basis that something will be in there. 
you know? And that absolutely is a loss of trust and faith in that company to be able to deliver products. It's as simple as that. Now, the reality, though, also is it's what they do next. Because if it goes into the system, or what we suspect now that some people, now that the problem has been alerted, and nothing ever comes out, which is what's happened in the past with Panini, nothing happens, nothing comes out, then that, that I say shame on Panini. Because the reality is, is good collectors, good collectors have put their hard-earned money into trying to collect their players that they collect because that's what we do as a hobby. And you have done, done that without the good faith to put those cards in. You've told people you have, and you haven't. And this is just one of a number of instances that have happened, um, particularly this season. And I think they, they need to own up to this situation. And we've invited them to come on this show, and they can, or tell, I can tell them exactly the same to their faces, that it's not good enough. It's time that you came out and was honest with collectors in this industry, people who work hard every day of the week and they spend their good money on the hobby and you go and do things like this. And like I said, I just don't think it's good enough. Round over. So, so yeah, it's uh, we're waiting for more news back on this one. Um, it is quite scandalous, whichever way you look at it. You know, you, you can't dress it up. They, they've admitted in writing to, to, to a guy that, yeah, there's 106 cards in there that you guys were chasing, which was basically half the, the sealed cards in there. You've got all the Rashad pennies in there. There's about 40 or 50 Steve Largent Legends cards in there, and there's some uh, Shaquille Griffin ones in there. But the two players that I, I wanted more out of this product was Wilson and Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas is my favourite Seahawks player of, of of all time that I, I've seen play. You know, I'm sure in about a month's time we'll be putting on a put on a Dallas Cowboys uniform but that's neither here nor there he's still the player who's going to be my favourite player 15-20 years down the line I want his card from this set and I've been chasing that and I've been unable to get it because I've been chasing something that didn't exist you know it's uh, it is a scandal and something needs to be done by by Panini because it, it, it it's, as I said it's just, just not good enough Dan you got any closing thoughts on this topic? I think I think you almost summed it up perfectly in in the way you said it that you've been you've been buying a raffle ticket for a prize that doesn't exist. Um, if you looked at that, if I did a raffle and I said the top prize is a car that's worth twenty grand, and then all the other prizes were worth hundred quid, and then I give all the prizes out and I don't actually give away the car, I just give away all the hundred quid prizes, then that's the, <laughs> that's what it, that's what it feels like <laughs> is is what's going on now. Obviously. I, that's the wrong sort of figures to be to be putting on it, and the, the, the biggest cards, which I suppose are the Brady ones, are in there. But um, each to their own. You you would sooner have hit that Russell Wilson card than the Brady card, or the the, the you know potentially the Earl Thomas card, as you were just saying. So um, for, for you, that was they were the top prizes, and, and they're not there. So yeah, not good. What's your space? Guys, I'm sure we'll be uh, revisiting this topic in the uh, in the next episode. Right, we've got a, a debate coming up now. Uh, something again we touched on earlier. We seem to go around <laughs> and touch on quite a lot of topics all the time here, guys. But uh, uh, we we'll talk about grading now, um, guys. What do we think about grading? Is it worth getting your cards graded? And if you think it is, what should you get graded and by whom? Let's start with Ryan. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I really quite like grading. Um, I, I like graded products. Um, our Steve McNair collection, which is taken, uh, which has grown thanks to Brian, really, who keeps um, sniffing them out for me whenever he's in the US, and they're all graded. Um, I, I do think, I think as a collector, I think that you, that there's there's two things uh, for me as a collector that that are important to me. One is that I want to collect a card that looks nice. I think that's the same for everybody. You know, you collect cards that look nice. And two, as a personal collector, you want a you want the condition of that, that card to be in good condition. And and I'm not going to name names, but you guys will know this that uh, I I hit the roof a couple of days ago when I saw a rookie card of a well known player. That that was uh, uh, posted in a well-known group to us all, and and this card is not a new card. It's it's probably a good thirty years old, and it had no protection on it, whatsoever. It was just like quite actually held in the guy's hand, and I absolutely hit the roof. Now the only way that you can guarantee the value of that card against the market is if you got it graded. And I guarantee if you did get that exact card graded, it would come out with a very, very bad grading <laughs> because that card was mishandled. But I think that um, I, th- I think that, that is the thing. It's the standard. It says that this card is in really good condition or it's in bad condition or it's in mint condition. I think that rookie cards are personally the thing that you know I quite like graded. I've talked about with you boys about what I might do next year in terms of PCs because the Titans might go and I think possibly draft defensively again so there might not be the offensive players and products again next year um, so I've got my on a couple of rookies that I might want to go and collect I, and I, I'm very tempted because of the avenues that are open to collectors now in the UK where we have storage companies in the US so I can ping stuff into my inbox in the United States and they can ping it out and get it graded I'm very tempted to get those cards graded I think the one thing that I've always sort of that that sort of takes it a little bit away is when you get certain cards graded that are the more chromium product because of the stock that they use, it should really be in mint condition. Do you know what I mean? It's no big deal getting a nine point five on an optic card. It really should be a nine point five, unless you've like dropped it and 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 had the, your peanut butter sandwich and then been handling it. it it should be a 9.5 because of the type of chromium stock that they are using on the card um but i think on i i like graded cards i like the fact to know me personally as a collector that that card is in that condition because i think it's a very important part of collecting and it's an important part of collecting to me dan what do you think man um personal point of view to begin with uh, i'm not a massive fan um just the the I think everything that everything that Ryan said I can agree with in terms of you know it, it assures a standard so you get a card graded today it grades a ten in twenty years time it's still a ten so you know that you're buying the the, the perfect copy of that of that particular card um, I, I don't particularly like how they look they're too big they're hard to store. <laughs> it's just that they're just not particularly for me but I, I can see that the within the market um you know how do you know you're not overpaying for uh, for a, a raw card i mean we can look at cards and say oh, oh that that corner's a little bit dinged or or whatever as a as a raw card in in somebody's pictures but at the same time i don't particularly know and i'm not sure 
many people in the in the the general collector base know what is that taking off the card if you know what i mean um, what's it what's it losing does it go from a 10 to a 9 does it go to a 9.5 does it drop all the way to an 8 um it's it's quite tough tough to distinguish that in raw cards so when they're graded it's already it's already done it's done for you you know what you're getting um if you like and i do see that i do see the purpose of it and i see the worth of it um particularly because if you've got as i said if you've got a 10 um a mint condition card then it's always gonna it's always gonna fetch more money because you've 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 proved that it's in mint condition and that's somebody wants it they can't find a finer example of that card if you like when it comes around to selling it so um i do get all that they're just they're just not particularly for me no, it's um, grading is is it worth it? in some instances? I think it is because uh, we were discussing previously that I hit the uh, Russell Wilson veteran cracked ice out of this year's contenders, and those are changing hands raw for about average about $500 a time. So if I get that graded, which I think I'm going to, if I get that as a grade as a nine. Then it's going to be about a six hundred and fifty dollar card. If it's a nine point five, it's a seven hundred and fifty dollar card. So it does put value on there, and it keeps it in in pristine condition, so to speak. So down the line, it is going to be worth a lot more when I'm dead and and Dan and Ryan pick over my bones when <laughs> when some mad Tinderdate kills me in the night. But again, like we were saying, what is the difference between the companies? It's like PSA and Beckett's. With that Brady card we had earlier, we had the PSA 10, went for £110,000. Uh, the BGS 9 uh, is going for $265,000 at the moment. Is there such a difference? Obviously, there is with collectors. Collectors, the high-end collectors, they obviously see a Beckett 9 as over a, a PSA 10. I asked this question earlier, but now it's one that we can answer in, the, in this section. With that $110,000 card, is it worth cracking it open and hoping you can get it regraded by Beckett's at maybe a nine and doubling the value in theory of your card? Dan, what do you think? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one. Uh, one question that doing that does raise is that one thing that comes out of grading is you, you get pop reports. So um, we have talked about pop reports before in a, in a section of Ask Dan in terms of what they are. Um, so you know that if say that that PSA ten that could that potentially be a pop one, um, so it's the only one that's been graded by a PSA given a ten, and it's and it's it's a pop one at that point. Um, what happens to the population report if you crack it? So we've got the same card that's then been graded and given a pop report by a PSA goes off to uh, BGS. It gets regraded. It's then given a pop report on BGS there's only a hundred of them you could end up with you could end up with 150 cards um that appear on a pop report um i'm not sure how, how that works as a, as a you know it's an interesting it's a, they're an interesting thing to look at but then it really starts muddying the waters if there's a hundred copies of this card and we've got pop reports that say there's 150 copies of it apparently and you don't know which one's been where and, and was was graded whatever um I see your point, though. If if collectors believe that BGS nine is worth double what a PSA ten is, then um, it, it's probably well worth it. Your only issue with it is that 
if it grades BGS eight and a half or eight, um, which isn't what you wanted, will it ever get a PSA ten again? If you sent it back in, does it does it does it get PSA ten again? Has it been in transit? Has anything happened to it? It's a massive risk <laughs> on that sort of on that sort of card. I'm not that's, sure it's one I'd be. It's, yeah, it's, I'm not sure it's one I'd be willing to yeah. take. That's like winning every single prize on the uh, bullseye board and uh, gambling for the uh, for the boat. But <laughs> <laughs> the only people over thirty-five would understand that one. So anyway, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, possibility of, of cracking open a, a PSA and trying to get it graded by Beckett's. Um, I think it comes down to two things. I think there's the 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 trend. So like what people actually look. I quite like the look of the BSG grading per. Compared to PSA, but you know, let's going to be honest about it. I think PSA, the way that they grade it and the way it looks, it just it looks data utilized. It looks like it's gone into a computer and come out again, and that's it. There's your grading. Whereas um, the Beckett looks nice. They look nice. <laughs> I, I can't really put it in any other way. It just looks better. Um, the, the, but the second thing is actually with the with with, with the BGS grading is it's. It's been done in a way, I know that they're going to simplify it, they're going to have the simplifying PGS, um, uh, which I don't think is a good idea, but but you know, they're giving because they're giving it a score on those four points in terms of corners, surface, whatever it is, you kind of know that that's their interpretation of the exact card, whether it's just, oh, that just happens to be a 9 or 10. Whereas if you then cracked it and got it done by Beckett, you know what scoring it's got on various facets. So therefore, it potentially makes that card a little bit more unique because other cards might have scored 9.5 but might have a slightly percentage lower surface, whereas other one got a 9.5. Do you, do you get what I'm getting at? So it's individualizing that card's grade. The 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 second the other thing is is that obviously we we've all agreed to crack open uh, a Montana rookie and get it graded by BGS. Now we've got it. We've decided to crack it for a different reason. It's because it's currently graded by a grading company that let's say has a dodgy past allegedly. So we are cracking. It's already a ten by that particular grading company, but they have not a great track record with um, authentication of autographs. Um, so we're going to get it. We're going to, we are cracking it and we are going to get it regraded. Um, but I think I would probably have a little bit of an issue with if you're cracking a PS PSA and get it, get it done BGS, particularly in terms of like you say, the high end, high end, but I have no problem at all with people. In fact, I do it myself with getting products graded. Um, uh, I think it's a great thing personally. Excellent. So I think I'll just, just add to this that. If I had that $110,000 uh, uh, Brady card, which is the PSA 10, uh, I, I'd like to uh, get Dan to crack it open for me just for the shits and giggles. I've seen him <laughs> too attractive. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> before, just before we move on, I would, in terms of what we've been saying, that why is, why is the BGS 9 worth more than the 10? Throw it out to our listeners and say... Get in touch with us. Get in touch with us via Twitter, email, however you want to do it. Why is BGS seen as so much better than than PSA? 
I personally don't have much of an issue between them. I have no beef with either of them, and I don't I don't particularly see that either of them um, makes a slight bit of difference. I'd be just as happy with the PSA 10 as it would be a BGS 10, but clearly there's collectors out there that probably aren't. So why is that? You let us know, um, and we, we can have a chat on Twitter or whatever about that. But, yeah, get in touch with us and, and tell us what you think. Excellent stuff. Right then, we're getting close to the end of the show now. Uh, we've just got a couple of things just to, to bring to your attention. Uh, Wax Pat Record of Future. Yeah, there is a future for us. We are going to keep going despite uh, the petition being handed into Downing Street. We are going to keep recording this drivel and putting it out to you guys. Uh, we're hoping to have a Facebook page uh, up and going in the not-too-distant future. Uh, there'll be some articles that we'll, we'll all be writing up there, uh, in-depth stuff. Uh, Dan will be putting his favourite lobby recipes up there. Uh, Ryan will be reviewing Cuban cigars, and I'll be reviewing uh, disastrous Tinder matches. So that's that's something for you all to look forward to. Uh, if any of the listeners want to be interviewed on here, come on and discuss cards with us. You're more than welcome. We've got a few uh, interviews lined up down the road. Uh, but if any of you guys are just just collectors want to come on here and talk cards with us, uh, you'd be more than welcome to, to come on. You know how to get out of us by now. So we look forward to hearing from you guys in the not-too-distant future. Right, we've uh, come towards the end of the episode now. We've got no competition, but we're going to have a, a little bit of a giveaway shortly. Uh, we're approaching 250 followers on Twitter, so uh, and they're all authentic as well. There's none of the, these cam girl things on there, despite the fact I keep trying to add them and like just deleting them. Being <laughs> so when we do it, 250 followers, uh, we'll probably have, have a grand draw. And uh, we'll we'll see what we can uh, we can put up as a prize. I might put up a like a Drake one Smith one of one card money jacket. to buy it back from someone. So there we go. Right then, gentlemen, another action-packed episode. We've covered quite a lot here. I uh, hope you uh, guys enjoyed it. Managed to stay with us. No guest interview this episode, uh, but we'll be back with you in the near future with the start of free agency. We've lots to discuss there. And people will be flogging off their cards as their uh, players change teams. Been a pleasure as always, gentlemen. Any words before we finish up? Happy collecting. Thanks for listening, guys. Lovely stuff. Thanks, guys. Uh, we've been Brian, Ryan, and Dan. Till next time, take care. <laughs>